Welcome to the podcast, Life Changes You. Each episode, I'll be discussing different subjects that could change how you feel about your life. There will be interviews with people who have inspired me and changed the way I think about my life. So this week, we've got part two of the interview with Katie Dibb, Director and Principal Psychologist of Elysium Psychology. So I hope you enjoy it. So what you were saying before about people needing to come, not when they necessarily have a mental health problem, but like they just want to dump some information and talk that information through. I think that's where people still see it as it's a little bit like, well, I wouldn't go and say I'd talk to my friend, but I don't really want to talk to my friend about it. Yeah. But it's really an easy way of getting clarity in what you're thinking. Yeah. And because like you don't give them the answer, but just Definitely talking not. it through yeah. helps them to say, oh, actually, I do know what I'm talking about. And yeah. yeah, this is the right way to go. Yeah. I think that, you know, the cathartic release of just sharing with somebody else, you know, that idea of a problem shared is a problem hard. Yeah, definitely. It is so relevant for just when you're overloaded with a stressor, you know. And and I, I would absolutely say that, that my clients use use me yeah. for that purpose, yeah. you know, that they come in. And I sort of feel a bit redundant. I'm sitting there just listening, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and just yeah. using my basic skills yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sort of not really able to provide them with anything yeah. beyond just it sounds like things are really hard at the moment, you know, which is sometimes all that they need is just some validation or normalisation of what they're experiencing is hard or it is stressful or sometimes it's just about loading it all out so you can kind of see what's going on and then decide from yeah. there what you want to do. So, yeah, I think I think you're right that it is, it is uh, a role that a psychologist could play, you know, is that once-off cathartic release yeah. of whatever you're carrying around. And, and I think the most important thing and what I say every week when I start my introduction is people listening yeah. and that is a problem that most of us, while we're listening to someone, we're thinking about the next thing we're going to say, whereas if they come and see a psychologist or a counsellor, yeah. that person is just listening yeah. to what they're saying and they're not necessarily going, oh, well, you know, what about this you just said? Mm. Um, they're just listening and then the person says, oh, well, actually, I think I've come up with the answer yeah. and you haven't had to do much. but. No one listens to people. Yeah. And that's a big problem. Yeah. I think it's very hard to hear somebody else in distress, you know, and that and that I think it's our automatic response to want to help that person and help resolve the problem. So I yeah. think we you know, in, in our in our social world, we very quickly go into problem-solving mode because yeah. we want to be of assistance and we often can feel a bit helpless when we're just listening. So I, I think that the motivation for jumping and having this idea in the head is is altruistic. It's yeah. about, you know, helping the other person and it's about wanting to be able to be there for them. But what can happen to the person who's sharing is that they don't feel heard, they don't yeah. feel validated, they don't feel normalised. Because and I think it is our, um, it's our like our common go-to to always be solution-focused. Yes, Like I someone agree. comes to us with a problem, we go, oh, I can help you with it this way or yeah. we can do this. Yeah. Whereas by just listening and that person actually getting to talk and verbalise what's going on, yeah. usually they'll come up with their own solution mm -hmm. without us jumping in and going, oh, I've got the solution for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, recently I was talking with a colleague about the art of psychology and I think that that's definitely something the way I see my work as in the space with the individual, I've got to be creative to meet their needs. 
So if they are presenting as unwell, I've got to be creative in the way I'm going to present those skills. Or if they are wanting to just come and release some stressors, that I've got to be creative in the way that I approach that. And it can't always be a one-size-fits-all solution-focused framework. It has to be flexible and adaptable to the needs because the individual might start one way and 10 minutes later something else might come up. So, you know, that, that, that sort of creative element of psychology probably hasn't been explored you know, in a yeah. lot of ways. And it's something that I'm really re- respecting, I guess, as, as I develop and mature as a psychologist and move into my, you know, middle middle year experiences <laughs> of, yeah. of a psychologist, you know, is, is, is adapting to so the needs you, of the client. So do you think we still sort of, uh, we're still sort of living in that box and scared of pushing the boundaries in case, you know, something happens that we're not happy with? Do you think most people are still sort of, they're quite content where they are and I think that there's a comfort that comes with the known and the known yeah. isn't always good for us, Yeah, you know, and, and it's not always meeting our needs and, and the brain naturally won't want to change. It's yeah. not designed to change. So there is always going to be discomfort when you see a psychologist. There's always going to be discomfort when you're facing changes or when you're forced to change. Yeah, But to recognise the discomfort isn't a reflection that it's not the right thing for you. Yeah. Because I think so many people uh, assume that the the discomfort they feel or the anxiety they feel about the changes is an interpretation that it's the wrong thing for them because yeah. we so often associate anxiety with something bad's going to happen. Yeah, definitely. And so we think in the negative. Absolutely. But yeah. that's that's the brain's natural wiring. Yeah. It's naturally biased so yeah. to the negative. So that's that's kind of okay if people do that because that's natural yeah, yeah, and biologically yeah. driven. But, um, you know, to start people to think that how could a psychologist or, you know, an individual support me to work through this so that I can face the anxiety and make the changes that I need. I guess for people as well, it's that fear of having to not only come in and meet you and sit down and talk about their problems, but whenever we're in out in the community or with our friends, we all put a certain mask on. Absolutely. To hide the things we don't want to talk about. So it must be hard for people to come in mm-hmm. and sit down. They don't know who you are and then have to say, well, my problem is. Yeah. And do you think that some people, it takes them a bit of time to be able to relax and then say, okay, well, this is my real problem? Or do people come straight in and go, oh, look, these are the problems I've got? Or do they come in and like say, oh, my life is so beautiful and wonderful yeah. and it's a few weeks before you actually get to the truth of what's happening? Yeah. Look, I think for me, anyway, I can't speak for other therapists apart from the ones that I've had therapy from because I know their process. But I think one of the attributes which, you know, you you know about me is that I'm pretty down to earth, you know, and I think that um, it's one of the things that I think is the greatest asset of mine. And I've had clients say to me, you're not like a psychologist. And I kind of query that. I'm like, is that a good thing? You know. Well, I was actually going to pick you up on that before, but when you were saying about how, um, you know, um, I, I got over this block mm. um, and you helped me get through it. I think it was because when I'd spoken to other people in the past about these sort of things, it was almost like a regimented answer and very sterile, mm. whereas you came at it from a more sort of open, uh, familiar sort of way that mm. you explained it. So it was easier for me as a learning counsellor to be able to go, oh, actually, I get what you're saying. Whereas these people were using technical terms and that. I had no idea what they were talking about. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, no, I really am dumb now. Mm. You know, so you are approachable and you're very easy to, I think you're easy, you easily adapt to mm. who the person is. And so they then feel comfortable and put their guard down. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think every psychologist has a degree of being a chameleon, you know, and adapting to the environment. And I know my language shifts depending on who's in the room with me. You know, my body language shifts depending on who's in the room with me. And, you know, whenever I've recorded myself for my own development or for observational sake for you know, supervisors or whatever, I notice how much I mirror my clients. You know, I mirror their body language. I'll mirror their their gestures, which is, you know, quite a bizarre thing because I think I'm not even aware I'm doing it. But all of those little nuances, I think, means that somebody starts to feel more comfortable with you because they, you seem familiar, even though I'm not familiar. But, you know, I, I seem to be reflecting them in some way. And I think that's when you when you develop yourself as a psychologist and you relax into that space, you do do that mirroring. Yeah. You do mirror the tone, the volume, the language. You know, I notice with certain clients I'll probably swear more yeah. because they're swearing. Yeah, 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 And with my quieter clients I tend to talk more softly, you know, I which is... I can't see you as talking quiet. No, no, I do, I do, when, when necessary. <laughs> Sometimes I become elevated when I become passionate about things. But, um, you know, I and I think that that helps for people to feel more comfortable, you know, yeah. and... And I, I like to think there's a bit of country in me and I like to think that I'm that just that easygoing person that grew up country in the country. Girl. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I don't think that I'm not rigid, I'm quite flexible and I think that those things all contribute to people feeling quite relaxed in my space. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as I taught you years ago, you know, the process at the beginning of the session sets the expectation for the whole session. Yeah. And so I start very casual, you yeah. know, and, and very open and you know, interested and, you know, I find myself, I get into a zone, I lose track of time because I'm so attached and attentive to the yeah. person that's in the room. And I think that that's been probably my greatest asset, you know, as a, as a professional. Yeah. Um, well, look, I must admit some of the feedback that I got when people knew that I knew you when we were doing the day courses or classes was at the end of the day, they'd say, wow, I've had other people that have, you know, I've come to a, a, a day class and I've left feeling like, oh, I couldn't talk and I couldn't do this. And, and but they said with you, you were so open and you were like, you know, you wanted to have people, people's input mm. and you wanted people to ask questions or say what they thought. Mm. And that was really good because it opened it up to all of us thinking, ah, oh, actually, that's an idea that could go with this. Mm. Whereas sometimes you sit there and you just listen and you think, oh, should I ask a question or not? Mm. Whereas you give the opportunity to be able to ask those questions and, and, and to try things out. And they might be wrong, but you don't go, oh, that's wrong. You mm. go, well, look at it this way then, mm. you know? I think, you know, when I when I think about that and my, and my role as a psychologist, I never go into any situation as the expert. Yeah. Because my perspective on working with my clients is that they are the experts in their world. I Sure, I've done my seven plus years of education and I do my PD hours every yeah. year and I've been practicing 15 years, but I am by no means an expert in that person's world, yeah. you know. And so taking that kind of privileged and humbled position of being given permission to walk in this person's life with yep. them, I think helps people to feel like they're in control. And, and you know, whilst I will share my experiences, I, I'm very much respectful that I don't know everything about this person's world, yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that I was like that as a teacher. You yeah. know, I was always open and respective, respectful of my students' life experiences and how that might mould and shape me as a therapist. Yeah, and look, I think also there's a lot of psychologists or counsellors or people in the mental health industry that would say, oh, well, statistically, 
this is what happens. Whereas you're not a statistic, well, you might be, but you don't throw that at people and go, oh, well, statistics are. And I've always been a believer in you can't look at statistics because every single person you see is a complete individual. Mm -hmm. And so we can say like 50% of second marriages end in divorce, Mm -hmm. but that's on a, you know, maybe a thousand people or 10,000 people, a hundred thousand people. Well, that's not the whole of Australia. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a case by case thing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, depending on the client's need to feel normalised by statistics, I think that can be really valid. But yeah. sometimes for some clients it's like, don't treat me like a number. And yes. and that's yeah. my job. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that art that I was talking about. I have to pick that up pretty quickly and I have to adapt to the needs of the client. And sometimes I get it wrong, like yeah. I'm not perfect. And so sometimes I'm in a space and I'm not getting the right, I'm not connecting with my client in the right way, but I very quickly yeah, pick that yeah. up because body language is something yeah. I'm attuned to yeah. uh, and I recognise that I've done, I haven't met the client's need in that moment and I shift and adapt and yeah. that's that's kind of my role. That's my job, yeah. you know. Okay, well, um, moving on, I wanted to ask you uh, what you most like about being a psychologist. What's the number one thing that at the end of the day you go, actually, that's what I've studied to be. That's why I'm doing this. Mm. I, I mean, I don't know that I have one thing particularly, but I the the sense of gratitude yep. that I have to my clients for allowing me the privilege of walking with them yep. in their journey. Yeah. Because I am so grateful for my clients to give me that permission. Yeah. And I take my role as a psychologist very seriously and I ensure that I'm protecting my clients in the space. Yep. That's my job, yep. you know, is to make sure they're safe and yep. to keep them safe and not do any harm, yes. you know, in yeah, that definitely. space. But I, I don't know whether it's pride or gratitude or whatever the emotion is that I walk away with at the end of the day, which is it, it's I think it is gratitude because I'm so thankful that they've allowed me to be in that space. I hope that you've enjoyed part two of my chat with Katie Dibb. Next time we will have part three. If you want to contact us, please visit our website, lifechangesyou.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe and like this podcast, Life Changes You, so you won't miss the next episode. If you're experiencing distress, please contact Lifeline on 131114. That's Lifeline 131114. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.